0: Welcome to the weekly episode of the Freelancer Codex podcast. Your host Steven, and co-hosts Mike, Devin, and JD are all set. Join us and tweet your questions at Freelancer Codex. Find us on Facebook at Freelancer Codex, or send emails to FreelancerCodex at gmail.com. Strap into your javelins, and let's drop in.
1: Welcome freelancers to episode 43 of the Freelancer Codex podcast, the longest running anthem podcast on the internet. I am your host, Steve, along with my co-host. I can't do it too fast, man. I was going to go for a speedrun introduction because of GDQ, and I just kind of lost it there at the end. So props to all the speedrunners that are raising money for Doctors Without Borders. Uh, Good for you guys. But I am your host, Steve, and this is the longest running anthem podcast on the internet i'm here with mike devin and jd and guys i want to know since we're we've got a lot of new listeners coming in from a lot of the interviews that we've been doing or the one interview that we have for you guys tonight so i want to know in light of um, games done quick what is that one game that you guys think you can complete faster than the your group of friends that you play video games with mike we'll start with you
0: all right so freelancers out there this is mike i think that that amongst my regular group of gaming partners that I can speed run Lego Marvel Superheroes.
1: there's just wow! You're going for the big ones there.
0: I'm going for the big one. I can get it all and do it all and get up. Uh, we do we have to do this with achievements? We're,
1: We're just achievements? beginning to end.
0: Okay, just well then yes. Beginning to end. <laughs> yeah, just so it's, it's not, not like a completionist run. Just it's um, not a completionist run because man, that would oh, take forever. Any percent? Oh man. JD, what do you Forever. got? What's that one
1: game you can complete faster than all your friends? Uh, probably the
2: original Mass Effect. I beat that game eleven times, and I know like the I know backwards and
1: forwards. I can get through it, not in a very short time, but faster than everybody else. So what's the, what's the runtime on that? Is that like a twenty-hour completion? Because that doesn't sound fast. Game's done quick. Nice. I I I think it's. Well, I don't play a lot of short games,
2: uh, but. Probably about like 15 hours, i could get through
1: it. Oh wow, that's the longest speedrun I've ever. Devin, what do you got?
2: Uh, so for me, it's uh, Halo. Um,
1: Just, I guess like, it, in it's, general, it's,
3: I would say you know because I when I play the campaign, I usually start it and play it till it's done.
1: So no, oh, but so you most like other people, you know, they're like, though. "Oh, I'm
3: tired to go to sleep." And so I'm finished before they even wake up. So, I mean, I guess if you put it into time-wise, I don't know if I can beat it faster than everybody else. But I'm usually the first one to finish the story out of my group of friends. So,
1: so you, you could speed, So are you talking Combat Evolved or just any Halo that releases?
3: Uh, just any Halo. Uh, I remember when Halo Reach came out, I was playing with my friend uh, Justin Page. And he fell asleep in the chair sitting next to me while we were playing co-op. <laughs> of course he did
0: <laughs> the I campaign, think that's more an indictment on you than it is him
3: he he had his own screen and everything he we were playing and he was f- fell asleep while we were playing
2: that's, that's kind of like funny. were up. you were you playing and also giving an entire
1: history of the geneva conventions
2: or something or what
3: was it uh no he was just you know older than i am and gets tired well for
1: the for the younger listeners there was a time when games would release at midnight and the only way to get them is you had to go to a store you had to stay up late and actually go there so i mean i could see why you'd get tired so yeah Yeah, No, i'm
3: glad i don't have to do that anymore you know i haven't bought anything from gamestop since then so
1: and we probably never
0: yes but but you've got some anyway some hidden agendas there it's true. We, won't, we won't talk about I like how you look away when uh, you mention that store so let's send this question out to, to the rest of our listeners and tweet us what what game can you do quick beginning to completion tweet us out and let us know which one that you yeah. think you can do.
1: We'll just totally skip over mine, Mike. It's okay. I understand. You don't want to hear how good I am at all the Steve, video games. Steve, do you games play I games? Played. I actually What's haven't played a video game in like seven years. So we just do podcasts a while. about video games. It's been a long who, time.
3: Who was I playing with the other
1: night? Eh, it was probably me. So it I could probably, It was me wearing a Steve mask. So, so I'm very confident yeah. that I could beat The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening um, faster than all the people that I play games with. So I've been in that game right. more times than any other game that, that I've completed on the Game Boy. So... That's one I know, like the back of my hand. So, I don't one think th- I've ever even <clears throat> completed it. I don't think you've ever owned a Game Boy, so there's that. Whatever. Shots fired.
3: A Game Boy? Does a 3DS not count?
1: No, it doesn't because it's not a Game Boy, it's what a 3DS. Is? So we had a giveaway um, that we were doing for the Interceptor poster that we got from EA Play when we went down to LA. So right now we're going to choose the winner of this fancy poster we shipped out the uh, storm poster last week so some lucky winner that retweeted um, is going to get this so i'm going to click this button and it's going to tell me who won this thing hopefully it's someone in the united states so right now <laughs> all right so Lone nomad let's see if lone nomad followed us like we were supposed to do yep lone nomad um... followed us and retweeted the tweet and you are now the lucky winner of this interceptor poster so we will contact them and we will make sure Woo-hoo! that they get this thing sent out. Congratulations, there, so. Lone Nomad! Congratulations! You can I... put it
0: up in your roaming tent.
1: Because I assume the caravan. Twitter handles
0: really like embrace and embody who you are. He really is a nomad. How does he listen to us?
1: I don't know. Smokes That's a good question, Mike. You are. <laughs> at... I would imagine it's a <laughs> hotspot of some kind. Like a hotspot, like Arizona hotspot.
3: He rolls into town and. It's a local cafe. And a local, it is a
0: man with no name. Starbucks.
3: Did you guys know... Lone no, Nomad, congratulations.
1: Flying.
0: Congratulations. No. Winner well done, of an Mets. Interceptor poster.
1: It's a great-looking poster. It's very as awesome. It. Nah, Do you want us to sign we it? I don't know He probably doesn't want us to sign it. We won't sign it. <clears throat> Did you guys know this is the <laughs> longest-running Devin animal? choked on his... Uh, did you guys know this is the longest-running Anthem podcast water. on the internet and that we only focus on Anthem-related content? That's not really true, but we try to as much as we can. This week, yeah, we, we um, had a great opportunity to sit down and talk with Mike um, from BioWare. Campbell, yep. What? Not oh, Gamble? you're on a, you're on a first name and last name basis there. So Mike Gamble was gracious enough to get in contact with us um, and give us an exclusive interview about after Anthem.
0: months and months of badgering and restraining orders for all of us and JD yeah. is like no longer allowed. He granted us that interview violin. as long as we were 500 yards away from him at all
1: times. <laughs> so we appreciate Not you, Mister Mike no longer, Gamble.
2: We're no so, longer allowed in Canada.
1: In all of Canada, that's harsh. So without big, further ado, uh, without further ado, we present you with our interview. Uh,
4: my name is Mike Gamble. I'm a lead producer here on uh, Anthem at Bioware. I've been with Bioware for uh, close to a decade now, worked on a lot of Mass Effect stuff, and, uh, and now I'm on Anthem.
3: All right. Well, we're going to start with uh, you know, we at the Freelancer Codex like to uh, ask the hard hitting questions. But Stephen <laughs> really wanted to know what is the most popular snack at the studio? <laughs> uh oh okay well it, i guess it depends um i mean
4: everyone kind of likes different things they they bring in they bring in breakfast every day most most people they just love to eat blastos because blastos is the cereal of champions <laughs> uh, uh but like most of us just eat garbage in the morning and then some of the smarter ones eat <laughs> things like bananas so there, i don't think there's an actual favorite thing it's just everyone's different everyone's kind of random it's especially different between you know What the back in the Mass Effect and Dragon Age days, there was a very different vibe going on. You know, a lot of the Mass Effect people would just drink Red Bull in the morning, and all the Dragon Age people would eat apples and fruit and be all healthy (laughs) and granola. So I don't know how much has changed really.
3: (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, yeah. All right. We're a studio of champions with our breakfast. (laughs) I I like it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so what uh, what is your current mood uh, at the studio after EA Play and everything that went on? that's a good question um
4: and and just so you know i i i didn't read really any of these so um, these are all these are all brand new to me (laughs) um so it's actually pretty good coming back from ea play and e3 you know when you put a lot of effort into something and you you put a lot of heart into it you don't know how it's going to be received and then when you see people uh enjoying it and you're happy with with the feedback that's coming through it's really encouraging uh so usually coming out of e 3 is a pretty positive experience this this time is no exception to it um you know we have to we have we have to do a bunch of work to to finish a game in time to launch so that that little bit of extra extra gas in the tank definitely helps uh one thing was really interesting though when when we um when we're looking at kind of all the coverage and and what people think the the folks who got to play the game um and we apologize that that you know, it wasn't everyone and every, and, and, you know, a, a huge massive thing. But everyone who got to play the game really, 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 liked it. The the most positive things that you see about the games are the ones who actually got, um, uh, from the people who got their hands on the controller, which is probably the the best, the best message that we can get, right? Because yeah, oftentimes when you're marketing a game or you're kind of releasing it to the world, it's the opposite, right? Like. You know the the game. The game can look great until people get their hands on the controller, and then they're like, "Well, well, you know, all right, that wasn't 100 percent." It, it's the opposite right now, which is like the the closer people are to the game, the the happier they are, and the the, the more positive the feedback. So that's super encouraging for us at the studio. Excellent.
2: We were also wondering what javelin do you you usually use? Do you main? Oh, um, well, right now
4: uh, I, I I play all of them. I kind of have to, because um, because we want it to be so that you can you can kind of pick and choose based on your feels of the day. Uh-huh. You know, like if you wanna if you wanna feel fast and and agile, you're gonna want to go with the interceptor. And if if you wanna be a little more back and, and supporting, you know, you wanna you wanna be the storm. And if you wanna get into the thick of it, you can kind of go with the with the ranger process. So I I, I kind of play all of them. When we review missions, we try and, and do a, a good a good you know cross-section of, of trying different javelins, different combinations between different players, right? So when we, when we review a mission, we'll normally have, you know, two, three, four players. Sometimes we'll have one, and then we try and we try and kind of mix it up, especially with a customization and play style. So I play them all right now. I think when the game shifts, the one that I'm going to probably put the most of my time into is the storm. Um, and it's weird because I never, before I never really played kind of mage characters on any of our our uh, previous games, or even 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 other uh, kind of competing titles. I don't really play as as casters, but um, the storm. He just looks so cool. <laughs> I, I like honestly, like, and the cape is. If we can get the the damn physics to calm down on the cape and stop flapping in the wind all the time, um, the the I think the storm is one of the coolest looking, personally for me anyway. So I think I'm gonna main that.
2: Cool. Well, actually, just a just a quick follow up question. Is it possible to use the storm and not have to wear the cape? Or is that... no, not not right now. I mean,
4: but, right now. but you know, if this if this damn thing doesn't calm down, you never know. Like we just might we just might <laughs> get, get angry at it and, and threaten threaten it with deletion. It's weird. <laughs> if, you, if you threaten things with deletion in the game, usually they behave themselves. We were we were just looking at, at Tarsus this morning, and um, you know the crowds were kind of doing some some random stuff, and and it's it's weird like. As soon as you call it out, as soon as you say like, "Hey, that guy's now standing on the table," you turn the camera away and you turn it back, and he's no longer standing on the table. It's like they can <laughs> hear you. Kind of anyway, yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see about that. It, the cape looks pretty rad, so you kind of wanna, you wanna. It's it's definitely a differentiating part of of what the storm is. So we'll yeah. we'll do our best to make it to make it play play nice.
2: Cool. Can you explain some more about the scar? Um, we know they're not human, right. and they look. Kind of, they have a kind of like a humanoid shape, uh, and we know they have some kind of connection to the shapers. So, what is it that makes them not human?
4: Well, okay, so I don't want to give away too much spoilery stuff uh, because <laughs> they do have a they do have a tie back to the shapers, and they do have a tie back to, um, you know, the shaper shaper artifacts, and they kind of have a tie back to the Anthem of Creation as well. Mm-hmm. So that's all that's all you know part of the. The story and, and things that you get to discover when you play the game—they um, are—they are more insect-based. So you'll—you'll you'll notice that there's an, there's an obvious tell when you play the game that the scar around when they have these these swarming kind of insects, um, and yeah, I'm I'm trying to, to thread the needle between spoiling and spoiling too much. Um,
3: don't don't yes. spoil it if you can, you know. Don't, you don't need to worry about it. So, so they
4: are—they are. They are they have something to do with insects and shapers at the same time. How's that? I'm just leaving it at that. That that'll work. Oh,
2: that, that yeah, that's 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 more than enough. <laughs> um, can you tell us if the colossus uses a melee weapon or does that javelin just hit the enemy with its uh, hands or shield? Like, is there a specific melee weapon for the colossus? So, or yeah. any of them?
4: Um, we're we're kind of currently iterating on on that. Um, the specifics of you know what that melee experience looks looks like right um, um for ship so right now the colossus basically uses um you know a combination of of his hands and the shield to kind of do melee stuff so you'll have the opportunity to uh, you've seen it a million times um yeah pound pound and and use kind of his fists as as the melee weapon and then there's there's another thing like when the when the colossus is running you'll be able to kind of do a little, a little bit of a shield bash um so those are the primary things right now, and likewise with the other with the other exos. Each of them have a, their own unique melee attack. Now, whether or not that uses a specific weapon or what that weapon is, that's what we're still kind of kind of you know getting to the core of it. We know what the behavior is, and we know what the kind of animation set that we want to use for each of them is. So that's all figured out. It's just the specific presentation. We wanna we wanna do a couple different ideas and and give it a couple more rounds of iteration before we really kind of finalize. Um, Finalize on that. So okay. it's 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 a bit of what you said, but it's also it's kind of open to 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 change as well.
3: Excellent, perfect. All right. Well, the next question we have here for you. Um, so they've talked about cosmetic customization on weapons in Anthem. Uh, the main thing I was wondering was, will there will we be able to modify the weapons in more than just a cosmetic way? Um, right. So that's one of the things that we'll probably
4: talk about more in the next couple months. Okay. Uh, specifically uh, how you how you um, have customization built into the games i will say though that that the root of of kind of the, the loot chase in in anthem is to find amazing new gear pieces and amazing new weapons um, you know there's there's ways to make weapons better and customize specifics in in them in terms of things like infusions which we'll mm-hmm. we'll talk about a lot more later um, but the focus really isn't on uniquely customizing each individual weapon. It's more about chasing that brand new weapon that we have in the game. But we'll we'll talk a lot more about that in the next couple of months when we when we go deep dives into weapons and customization and stuff like that.
3: Cool. All right. All right. So the next question is kind of also about weapons. But uh, so Jonathan he listed uh, pistols, auto rifles, shotguns, grenade launchers, and miniguns uh, as primary weapons. Will there be any more types of weapons, or just heavier variants of those weapons? Uh, we're, we're actually, we're looking at a couple different
4: types. Um, we are looking at, at, at weapons that are outside of that list as well. Okay. I just kind of want to, not want to talk about them because, and I don't want to be cagey on this needlessly. I just don't want to <laughs> you know, promise something and then people are like, well, why didn't you include the thing that you said <laughs> in the podcast interview one time? You know? Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, yeah.
4: I, that, that has certainly happened to me in the past, my friend. So um, I, I wanna I wanna avoid that. But we are looking at, at different ones and ultimately the razor is if they if they play fun mm-hmm. and they look great, then then they can go into the game. But if they don't play fun and, and they ruin the balance in some way or they, they they're just not hitting that kind of super heroic vibe that we wanna get, then then they're not they're not meant for our game, right? Yeah.
2: This question is pretty uh, straightforward, but can you tell us more or anything further about the Anthem of Creation?
4: Uh, okay, well, so the Anthem of Creation is, um, well, actually, just to kind of go back first, so you guys are familiar with on the premise of the IP, so the Shapers um, were creating the world, and they disappeared. Yeah. And they kind of left behind these giant shaper shape artifacts and shaper relics and um the anthem of creation is kind of a core um energy it's i don't want to call it energy but it's it's that's the closest thing to kind of describe it as an energy that, that runs through a lot of these different things they, they can power shaper relics um they can make shaper things activate and do really really odd things and it's kind of the the the, the tie that binds all of this stuff together—it's a—it's a kind of a creation force, and you know you have you have Anthem of Creation activating shaper things, which which cause unpredictability, they cause danger, they cause they cause chaos, and um, the, the commonality between all of those different activations, in addition to you know what's up with the scars and what are the dominions seeking. Uh, is the anthem of creation. It, it's, it's super tied to the core of the story. You find out a lot more about it um, when you play a critical path story of the game. What it what it is, what it was used for, how it can be misused, um, how it can be even more dangerous than people than people imagine. So it is it is gen. It's core to kind of the the, the story that we're telling. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the the, the nuts and bolts of it. Specifically. You know how it manifests and where you show it, you'll be able to see um, uh, it represented in the world, as I said through Shaper stuff. But you'll also see—you might have seen in the in the E3 demo—there are these echoes, which are kind of artifacts of the Anthem of Creation, which Power Shaper technology. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just core to the experience.
3: Okay, I just want to do a follow-up question on that. Uh, <laughs> Does it annoy you that Steven calls the Shaper relics ex- extension cords? That's what, that's what he refers to the shaper relics as extension cords not
4: trust me um, one day on Twitter with me and that like there is literally nothing that could possibly annoy me uh, that, that kind of stuff but let me ask you why does he
3: do you know why he calls uh, them that well he says because he's like what else you know has power and takes it to one place to another and so he's he refers to them as as extension cords because ah. they can be plugged in and the anthem of creation or some kind of power can go through them. I like, uh,
4: okay. okay, okay. So I'll, I'll fix his analogy then because because that's a bit incorrect. The, uh, the, the shaper the shaper relics um, are more like um, power outlets than they are extension cords. So okay. uh, they're they're sources of of activation for power mm-hmm. rather than the ability to to. Bring power from one place to another because because the anthem of creation this this energy is around us all the time. Okay, it just manifests itself at these at these um, uh, shaper relics that you can that you can kind of with and um, you know <laughs> maybe have disastrous things happen. So there, there's there's adjustment to this analogy, but but still no, it doesn't annoy me. You can call them whatever you want.
2: <laughs> Excellent. All right can you clear up if there are indeed items and secrets to find underwater uh, because uh, one, one of my fears coming out of uh, coming out of the de- demo especially what we had seen with the 2017 e3 reveal and uh, the demo there is that maybe like it ease my mind and find out that it wasn't actually just a hidden like a hidden loading zone
4: right you know right. Um, well so they' they're not necessarily loading zones whatsoever uh, underwater is explorable now. Okay. The, the activities that you can do underwater, we're still finalizing that. We'll talk about more about that later. Like, but one thing I can say is, you're not fighting underwater. Okay. At the very least, you're not fighting underwater. But there's secrets and there's lore in the world, and there's there's things that we want to kind of tuck away in some of those underwater caverns. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are certainly not loading, loading, streaming tunnel things. You can access cool new you know, explorable spaces through underwater caves and things like that. Yeah. Um, But it's not just about that. But the most important thing to take away from that is that combat right now is not happening underwater. We're not focusing on that whatsoever
2: cool yeah because i i I remember i remember all that uh from the original mass effect the uh the elevator rides and i didn't even know what that was until i was like hey there's no loading screens hey the elevator rides go off yeah 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 no
4: no, you're you're (laughs) it's full gameplay like like you have that's great character you can break the surface of water at any time that you want like it's not it is not a loading thing i
3: promise you that cool
2: all right that's amazing
3: what can you tell us so we have another question what is the hardest part of creating a brand new world right or a new IP Um well there's a there's a lot so whenever you create a
4: new IP getting off that first that first page is is the hardest part right because you know there there's there's no shortage of great ideas in in, in the world I mean there's there's lots of really cool concepts that anyone can kind of come up with but you want a concept that has that has infinite promise right so that you can can, that you can build on top of and you want a context for everything that you can build on top of and create a game out of right yeah Um, and that's that's more than just a singular set of great ideas it has to they have to flow together they have to they have to make sure that they they provide reasonable constraints for oh yes this is in the ip and this is not in the ip but they have to be able to be built on and so getting that first one page of the ip is the most challenging part because once you have that first page then pages 2 through 1000 come easier but getting that first page is the most challenging thing and then so you you take ideas and iterations and, and you know sometimes dozens of different iterations on on a set of ideas before it actually kind of clicks and and it is what it is right and that that sometimes takes months sometimes years right mm-hmm. so that's the most challenging part of, of of building a new IP and then after you've got that then it's then it's okay well right now that I have this 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 is understanding of a world that is ever-changing based on this technology from these gods. Now that you have that, then you're like, oh, well, in that world, then we have these factions who will believe in the gods, and some of them won't, and some of them will understand the technology, and some of them won't, and then you build on top of that, and it's like, I have the heroes of the factions. Oh, the Freelancers, oh, the Sentinels, oh, the Lancers. Like, every, every kind of layer gets built on top of the other, and as long as the foundation is extremely strong, it all holds together. But getting that foundation is is that's the taxing part. Hope that makes sense.
3: Yeah, no, sure. I guess to kind of go back to the underwater a little bit, we, we already kind of know about the flying mechanics, how you can upgrade your uh, Javin so you can fly for a longer time, correct? Yep. Um, is there a similar feature for you know swimming underwater for exploration? Can you where you can hold you know because you can see in the demo where the the oxygen meter was kind of going down. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, pilot progression and
4: javelin upgrades and stuff. Yeah, they'll affect flight and they'll affect underwater as well because because we're trying to encourage you know the usage of both. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's interesting, and I think what the what the gameplay team has really nailed is the control scheme really um, is kind of seamless between those two experiences. So you have you have underwater, you have a similar set of controls. For example, you press the left stick to to fly when you're in the air. Mm -hmm. And if you fly and you break the water surface, the left stick is what propels you forward. Likewise, if you're you're swimming underwater and and you're pushing forward, as soon as you break the water surface, you start to fly. So that that kind of seamless thing between uh, flights and underwater has been one of the focuses of the gameplay team, and and hats off to them because I think they really nailed it. So you'll be able to kind of feel as though the the experience is, is seamless. And then, of course, to your original question, we've got you know we've got different progression. We've got different things that we want to do to to make the underwater experience um, upgradable as well. So,
3: cool. Yeah, I know when we uh, we got to watch the demo a couple of times at EA Play, and it just seemed super smooth. Uh, the, when you change from walking to running to flying and then going into the water, everything yep. was just super smooth. So yeah. Yeah. Wait,
4: what, once you get your hands on the controller, you'll be able to really feel it. And and this is kind of my earlier point. Um, once you once you get that, then you'll kind of understand. Oh, it was that easy. Or this is intuitive. Mm-hmm. And if it feels intuitive to the players, then that's the biggest. That's that's the. The biggest thing, the biggest initial challenge, right? If you yeah. get it, these complex systems now just kind of flow seamlessly through the controller. Then it's like, all right, now I can take in the rest of the game.
2: Were there any narrative or gameplay elements from previous Bioware games that you chose to either replicate or exclude from Anthem?
4: Um, well, I mean, there's a couple. There's a couple which which we've already talked about. So, like romances, for example, we we're, we're not really focusing in on the romances as much. Um, that was something that we focused in on on. The previous Bioware games. However, um, what we did bring in from from previous Bioware games is kind of a sense of camaraderie and relationships with these these new characters that you're finding in Tarsus. So we're, we're 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 focusing in on that um, consequence and choice. We want to bring elements of that into to Anthem as well. We definitely want to want to pay attention to to that aspect of the storytelling. Um, I think I think if you look back at kind of Bioware games in general, they've they've continuously evolved throughout the different titles in terms of the gameplay responsiveness and mechanics. Um, you know, from Mass Effect One to Two to Three to Andromeda, we've always kind of made gameplay feel a little bit better and 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 we've added new elements to it. And, and, and you saw um, we took. Mass Effect 1 to 2 to be a proper cover-based shooter, and, and we, we tightened up the gunplay a lot, and then from 2-3 to, to Andromeda, we introduced, you know, uh, the concept of the jetpack, and so there's an evolution there, and in, in Anthem, I, I think it's kind of a, the um, the next kind of version of that, so by be, the players being able to take good flight, the the players being able to to rely on gear, in addition to weapons, because we had powers before in Mass Effect, so that kind of evolution we've taken from the previous ones um you know it's, it's just a it's a combination of of all of that stuff but anthem is something that's uniquely its own at the same time right and the the, yep. the world is is very very different than it was for mass effect we we're not building mass Effect or dragon age with anthem we we're building anthem we hope that anthem kind of finds its own its own groove its own audience and people like it for what it is
2: is there something that you wished all gamers would understand from a developer's perspective? Like of the, of course the misconception that changes are easy to make in a game. Yeah. Something to that effect. Yeah. So, so
4: that's a tough one. Um, That really is because um, I'm a, I'm a gamer and a game developer. So I put myself in the shoes of a gamer a lot of times. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if, if a product isn't doing something for me and know i'm spending my 60 bucks on it plus anything else that i spend dlc or whatever like i i don't really give a shit at that point i'm a consumer and and you know like i want the best product possible and i'm demanding that and and, you know i respect that in our fans because it pushes us to do do the best that we can but also that's the kind of (laughs) that's the that's the approach that i take as as a gamer and someone who plays plays different products so all that said it is challenging um, in this day and age to you know make make major changes in short amount of time and and you know when you when you think about a game development um, on a triple A title and this is not just Bioware or EA this is kind of everywhere in the industry you have these massive massive teams um, sometimes pivoting those teams is like is like pivoting and planning and trying to be predictable with those teams is like turning the Titanic right mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of work it takes it takes a lot of effort and and it's rare. That it that it gets done 100 percent right and, and and to be honest nearly every game that i've ever been in development in and and i'm sure that a lot of the other teams in the industry see the same way the game that you end up with is is you know an evolution over the years of all the different decisions that you're making compounded together and you always make decisions that you're not happy with, so that the game will eventually actually come out, so that people can play it. Um, and, and <laughs> you always you always have regrets. You always have things that um, you know you you would want to do differently. And and sometimes hindsight is twenty twenty. In in the moment, you make the best decisions that you can possible. And then and then we'll see what the fans think. And sometimes the decision that you thought would just absolutely crush the game, the fans actually don't even notice and you're like oh god thank thank thankfully no one, no one worry about that but then other times the decision that you're like this ain't going to be no big deal people pick up on a lot right and it's it's really hard to know until the game comes out so that's that's kind of a long-winded answer saying yeah i totally get where everyone's coming from i really do because because i'm on that but at the same time yep it is challenging video games are complicated if they weren't everyone would be making them all the time and being super successful at them so it is what it <laughs> is right
2: yeah.
3: All right. Well, I guess so. For our, for our last question, since our time is almost up, um, uh, is there something that you want to clear up about Anthem that you feel maybe people have misinterpreted from any of the information that's gone out? So. Uh, oh, good question.
4: Um, it's it, it's weird because everyone kind of has a different a different interpretation and a different wrong interpretation, and really you can't really clear those up until the people get their hands on the game. Yeah. Uh, that that said. I'll kind of be generic and vague, and I'll say Anthem is a very different experience than 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 what you're used to. it It blends um, a cooperative uh, experienced shooter with uh, great flight mechanics, with story and characters that you actually can kind of fall in love with. or sorry, love is the wrong word. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you know,. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because, you know, again, people are going to throw that back at me You're in two like, months. You said that!
2: It's platonic. It's <laughs> yes, platonic love, yes, people. Yes, exactly, yeah. Um,
4: and so you can you can do a lot of things in Anthem that you can't do anywhere else. And, of course, I cannot fault anyone for drawing comparisons to both both outstanding products in the marketplace and our past products because they they haven't played the game yet. Yeah. But once they do, they'll see the differences. And, you know, once they're able to kind of see how it all comes together, they will definitely see the differences. And we will do our very best in the next, you know, three to six months or whatever um, to highlight what makes Anthem really unique and really special. But I want people to, to, to kind of, you know, understand that it's, it's easy to make comparisons. But once you actually get the, the, the game or once you get more information, you're going to see the, the, the true differences and the, the magic that we're trying to bring with the game.
3: That's all the questions we have for you today.
4: <laughs> okay yeah, thank cool. you so much hey, for your that, time that worked out pretty well that's exactly half an hour yeah
3: so, <laughs> yeah so i mean we're, we're definitely excited for anthem we can't wait to hear more and uh you know thanks for coming on the show yeah, with us man, so, no problem yeah, yeah,
2: yeah thank you so out, much for coming on and thank you for your time it, it's been it's been great
4: no worries and you know shout out to, to folks like you um doing the podcast and kind of generating community and uh following you know the things that we're doing and trying to to educate folks about what the game is about and you know just in general thanks for being interested in in what we're doing and we we really 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 appreciate it and we we really love you guys it's awesome in a totally platonic way remember remember
2: All right. Thank you so much, Brad, for setting up this interview. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. And just a general thank you to everybody at BioWare for making Anthem. This has been a real experience for not only us as fans, but also us as podcasters. So thank you. Awesome. No problem. Take it easy, guys.
1: Guys, that was awesome. So now we've got to break down everything that we learned um, from talking with Mike. First of all, Devin JD, great job. Um, so I, I kind of want to get, how was it? I mean, is this, this is probably the first time you've ever had an interview with someone that's actually working on a video game, right?
3: Yeah, I would say a full interview. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to developers before and, uh, that have worked on other games, but, uh, when I was going to school, but never for, you know, uh, you know. So, Official.
1: So, so what's the perception? I mean, the perception when I think about game developers that work on all this stuff that we've been obsessed about for a whole year since we've been doing this podcast, it's like, oh, man, I can't believe you're you're actually able to talk to this guy. But it sounds like, you know, just a normal guy that wants to create the best video game that he can. Right? Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was, like, super nervous leading up to this interview.
1: <laughs> we can you, Did you sleep at all? because I am I mean, <laughs> excited
3: to talk to him. And, uh, you know, so I was just like, ah, but... Um, do it again I guess it's the same way, not one do it again my do it again Sure.
1: <laughs> was that like a raptor um, yeah
3: raptor there but um, no I mean as with all the devs that we've talked to they're all super excited for Anthem they've been working really hard on it and they really want to get it into people's hands and let people play it and uh, so, I mean the overall feel I got from the, the conversation when he's super excited uh, you know for Anthem and they're all doing a lot of work and uh, they've got what, two hundred and forty days, two hundred thirty-three if you get the uh, Legion of Dawn edition. And I'm guessing they got to be done at least a week or two before that.
1: So, well, they also have hopefully. the betas that they have announced for yeah. the pre-order. They got the, the demos have. or betas. Yeah, the demos. I guess that. they call them. But
3: yeah, no, there's there's not much time left for them. And uh, so,
1: and JD, real quick, this is probably. I mean. You you live and breathe Bioware games, so this is probably like I don't know if I can say dream come true for you to talk with someone that actually worked on the games that have influenced your whole gaming career.
2: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I was uh, I, I I filmed I've I've filmed interviews before for class projects and stuff like that when I was in school and you know, but I was still like super nervous about like maybe things going sideways you know and if. You, know, you, you never know what could happen, especially when it's, you know... Especially when you're using s- Skype.
0: Yeah. Skype. And having uh, to talk to Devin. People fall asleep while playing games with him. It's rough. You said it, man.
2: It's
3: all right. I'll black
0: the screen out during the uh, YouTube oh, video. Nice. <laughs> we're, nice.
2: just, we're just going to replace it with the, just a giant image of a donkey. Sorry, what? Donkey? So real quick...
0: You and I don't even know each other that just, well.
2: Sh- Man, I, look, so all real I know quick, is uh, that dee, Mike, Mike was Mike, able
1: to Mike give us a lot of, of information. Mike all of my swearing
2: budget in the interview,
1: so I can't it's say true.
0: anything. He did.
1: <laughs> he did. That's right. He didn't know you get. – I'm he sure did. you guys didn't tell him it's a family-friendly show. We can just beep that out. We've got the, we've got the technology. So a couple of things that we learned, um, that the dietary habits of the people at BioWare vary between, you know, one branch. The teams. Is, you know, yeah. they're just down in Red Bulls like crazy, keeping that market afloat up in Canada but um the question that we asked him we asked him about the scars and the answer he gave us is you know the scars they're related to insects and the shapers so quick speculation that i had on this i mean i'm guessing that there's probably like these hive of wasps or some sort of creatures that's just sitting next to this this anthem this um relic the shaper relic that's probably mutating these things and i'm kind of excited you know like i i enjoy the insta- insect insect aesthetic that's hard to say i i don't know if i can say that again but just the way that the bugs looked in the demo i'm excited to see more of that cuz that's kind of a cool visual it's more organic not so much we're just you know fighting robots or anything but it's going to have a cool i think it's going to have a really cool look so i'm kind of excited about that you guys when you heard that I was right, that the Scar are actually not humans, was it just one of those, another tick marks. So, <laughs> yep, Steve's right about something again? No, so,
3: one of the things I wanted to mention also, I have to find the interview, but I'm pretty sure Jonathan Warner talked about that the Scar live in metal hives. Like, they create metal hive-like structures. Yeah. In one of the interviews that he did. I'm going to have to find
1: it. Um, no, it, but, was in the, it was in the, I think it was from one of the Game Informer ones. But go ahead, anyway.
3: But, yeah. Um, No, I thought it was interesting, you know, and then talking about uh, how the visual cues and and things, you know, if you see uh, insects or or hives of insects, that it's just a cue to let you know that there's scar around. And um, I was also wondering, you know, for their armor, I mean, they kind of look like insects before in their armor, but I just figured oh, maybe that's just the way they like their armor. But, um, so, I don't know.
1: Mike, J.D., do you guys have any uh, any thoughts when we were talking about the scars and the relation to insects?
0: I think it's cool that 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 they are um, a race, a, a unit, a faction that is influenced heavily by by this thing that we are going to learn more about, and so we get to learn. You know, how do we know? I know we see we see ourselves fighting them, but I mean, do we have to fight them? Is that is that part of the game do we get to make that choice where you know we're going to let the scars be kind of thing i'm ass- well maybe i'm assuming from the devil from the debos, from the demos <laughs> that that we are going to fight them but it would be cool if if there was that uh, it's cool to see it's cool to see and it'll be it'll be cool to see how they react to us and we react to them and if they're just if they're just ways to you know things to shoot so
1: yeah jd you have any comments on the shapers and bugs well uh...
2: One of the things that I thought was really cool during the interview was um, when you mentioned that, like, if you see a lot of insects around that, that could be an indication of, of the scars being somewhere in, uh, in the vicinity. And I thought I thought that was a real cool, like, it, like, kind of like environmental clues that as you're exploring and going around in the world, like, you could just kind of look around and you're like, Okay, I'm seeing a lot of bugs. There must be scars nearby. So, even if you can't necessarily see them or hear them or whatever, but you have some kind of like sign or omen that enemies are nearby. Like, I just think that adds a a new layer um, to gameplay and exploration.
1: Yeah, there's possibility for them to leave trails or clues for us to go find a certain enemy um, by leaving indicators like this. It doesn't have to be a blatant, oh, here's a swarm. It could be, you know, maybe you're walking around and you do see one or two bugs. And depending on which way you go, that could increase until you find the hive. Um, So that's a really cool thing that they're doing. I really like that. And the next thing he talks about, the storm cape. It's like, guys, we got to have the storm cape. (laughs) Hopefully they figure out the physics. I'm guessing the second that the uh, storm lifts off, that cape just goes crazy. Um, flying around all over the place so hopefully they can figure out the, the physics on that because I would hate to see the storm without a cape it's kind of cool it's like the one I had thing a chuckle
0: that... picturing that like in my head when he said like if we can just get those physics worked out and that cape just shaking all over the place I thought that's kind of funny because I mean it's just uh, the visual of you know standing there still in your cape going all crazy in the wind
1: yeah it's going to be like a so. Dr. <laughs> Strange cape what is that called it's the cape of some, something something I don't know someone will tell Dr. Strange capes yeah, yeah. it's it's so, something, but that I mean, around all those things the that
0: place. you think about when, or the things you don't think about when you think about gameplay development, when we're like, well, is there going to be this and this and this? And we're like, no, we're, we're working on the Cape to make sure it looks okay.
1: Yeah. So, is the game <laughs> complete? It's like, no, the Cape's flapping around. We got to get the Cape physics down. And I think, exactly. th- I think that kind of thing is important because that Cape is one of the things that really sets the storm apart from the Ranger. Um, or else it kind of just looks like it could potentially be another Ranger, but having that, yeah. that flare um is really important so hopefully they figure that out and that thing doesn't get deleted because that would be pretty sad if it, if it doesn't come out so the next thing you talked yeah. about also in Devin, you asked him about um weapons and if we're going to be able to upgrade the attributes because we know we're going to be yep. able to customize them um for their so so what do they use they use customization and personalization so we're going to be able to personalize yep. it so the question yep. was if we're going to be able to customize it and it makes it sound like there is some sort of infusion system that they have mm-hmm. that we'll be able to upgrade, but that's not really the main focus. Um, the answer that I really like that he gave is that we are going to be we're going to be chasing new weapons, not so much you know this is the weapon I want, this is the weapon I want to upgrade, but it's going to be a chase of this new weapon is out, I need to go find that, I need to play with the new thing, and I think there's a lot of options for you know the way they've been talking about releasing content for anthem that potentially there's just gonna be there's there will always be a new weapon it seems like they'll be able to release you know I don't know how many they can release in a month or if that's even gonna be their model but it'll be something that we can strive for so where's there's not gonna be this you know if you get these guns you're good to go there will always be a loot chase instead of instead of grinding for a weapon it sounds like there'll be you know maybe direct pass in order to get or unlock the new weapons
3: I think one of the key things he talked about there, <clears throat> and one of the other questions we talked to him about creating a new IP was uh, when he said, "You know, you you have the base idea of, you know, these storms and things that change the environment and change the world, uh, you know, with the shaper storms and other things, um, how you can really do things to infinity, basically, you know, like you can iterate on it in so many different ways because it's built from the ground up." to be where, okay, these things happen, and it changes everything, you know, it changes all kinds of things in the game. So I think they, they gave themselves um, probably an easier way of, okay, hey, there's new weapons, there's new gear or whatever in the world because a shaper storm came through or something else happened or these we found new relics or, or different things, you know, that have created new opportunities and easy ways for them to bring new weapons, new gear into the lore and into the story.
1: Mike JD, do you have anything to touch on the weapons from uh, what Mike talked about?
0: I think I think it's cool. I think I like the uh, I like that you get to chase weapons, and it's not just this is your gun, this is your this is your sidearm, this is your rocket launcher. It's it's that chase to go something something to go for, and and I like I like that aspect. That's cool.
1: Right on, JD. Uh, yeah,
2: uh, the thing that I most well that I like the most was probably the fact that. Mike was saying that if a game well that if a weapon isn't fun it's not going to make it into the game and like that's a very it's a very simple concept but it's one that I I agree with because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of guns in a lot of different types of games and you know there are some guns in certain games and certain certain franchises that are held in comparison to Anthem quite often that I maybe only enjoy maybe half of them and the rest of them i could do without entirely but i still have to deal with them showing up in my loot so
1: yeah one thing i've i've always not liked about games like this is those low level weapons or the trash weapons that you pick up just to pick up for mats and stuff always Mm -hmm. think it always feels kind of like a waste to, to me for the to take the time to make those weapons that you know are just going to be thrown away after you pick up the next one. And that's kind of right. in here. I mean, that's an RPG thing. You, As you progress, you get better weapons, so those weapons fall off. So I don't know if that's something that will ever be solved, but always like, man, this—they're—they're they're, a developer spent time making that level one weapon, you know, the best <laughs> that they can make it, and then it gets it gets played for maybe a couple minutes and then thrown out and never gets, sees the light of day again. So it needs exactly. to go to like a, an island for misfit weapons. So, uh-huh. so well, the... i think they, thinking,
3: you know, with the curve they have, like they have talked about before, how it's going to be a lot different, you know. So in other games where maybe we leveled up a lot faster and those weapons were of no value, maybe the weapons will be valuable longer because you, it's going to take you longer to level up maybe.
0: A slower leveling system? That makes sense.
3: Because, yeah. I mean, they, they talked about, you know, leveling up actually makes a difference, you know, and, and there's a difference between a level 25 and a level 30 character and it's not just a couple hit points, you know. So.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool.
1: All right. And then we talked – we asked a question about the Anthem of Creation and had him touch on that. So the way he explained the Anthem of Creation, it almost felt like it was very much like he's explaining the Force. It's kind of all around you. It binds things uh, yeah. together. There's it's a light everywhere. side and a dark side. It's, it's everywhere um, and nowhere. Yeah. So it, It's here and there. So at first – It's to and fro. Stop and go. Um, so That's one of the, things, like, the, the around. So one of the things that it's I station. thought of when we first heard about the Anthem of Creation – they almost made it sound like it was like this physical thing that was on the planet but now after talking with mike um i guess it's just something that's there it's around you It reacts with the Shaper relics, so maybe it's just some form of energy that's actually in the air, and when the Shaper relics are there, it's able to activate it somehow. Maybe there's an influence controlling it, maybe not, maybe it's completely random. Maybe we'll find out more in the story. He kind of kept it, so to not give out any spoilers, because, I mean, made it sound like it's kind of a big story beat, so better that it's not spoiled right now. So, what do you guys think it about? It was kind the of whole... fun how
0: he was navigating that road and like, what can I tell you? What can I not tell you?
1: Yeah, because it, <laughs> I, I'm sure it's, it's really fun. hard because they would, he, you know, they would love to talk about everything right? about the game to get yep. people excited about the game. But it's like, you know, how much of the, how much of, the, do you want me to skip ahead and read you chapters in the book or just let you read it? <laughs> well, some and also, like you
3: said, you know, if maybe they they tell us about something and then that feature doesn't make it into the game and then they're be like, oh, you said, you know, that this was in the <laughs> game in this podcast, and it's not in the game. What the crap? I mean, we've all seen that. You know, it's like, oh, they showed this off. You know, like, obviously, hey, you know, you see those mountains? You can go there. You know, we've all heard that before. <laughs> and then the game comes out, and it's like, see oh, those mountains?
0: You, you can't cannot go, there. go there. You so, can never go there, Simba. That's beyond I mean, our we, I know we
3: told you that two years ago, but nope. So, I mean, it's, it's got to be difficult. It's like we can't over promise and under deliver. And, uh, you know, there's things that are going to be cut, and we all know that. And it's like you said, uh, you know, they, they just reach a point where it's like, okay, we can't put anything more into the game as it's launching. And so we have to just stop making, adding new features. And we have to figure out which ones we have to cut in order to get the game finished and into uh, a shape of what we can ship it out as, and then try our best to include those later on you know
1: so and that's got to be a really hard balance and then um jd asked about going underwater so um one of the things jd you talked about the loading screens in mass effect were just hidden behind elevators that sometimes would go you know if your system was bogged down that elevator ride would last a little bit longer but mike did confirm that going underwater is not um, hiding a loading screen of any kind. It's gonna be an explorable area. They're still kind of playing with other things that you can do down there. I know John Warner yep. gave an an interview, I forget who who the interview was with, but he said that there is going to be lots of stuff to find um, under the water. So it'll be lots of opportunities to search. Places I'm, to explore. I'm guessing yeah. that but one thi-
0: but one thing is for sure is there's no combat. No yeah. combat we no we didn't fighting that
1: Mike <clears throat> yeah. was very good. clear on
2: no fighting underwater. Yeah and that So sorry Aquaman which yeah. is a
0: shame. I was hoping
3: there'd be, like, you know... Torpedoes. Fish
2: and...
1: Giant fish mm-hmm. or... I'll settle fish, for creatures. Shaper fish. You have to survive. So did, we, things, did
0: we see underwater creatures in the there, demo? There are fish, We yes. saw, like, fish and stuff, but nothing. Yeah. But nothing, nothing big. Nothing you could... Yeah, nothing... With. No cracking. Nothing big.
1: But I'm guessing no, this also they gives... Get excited this, about. Yeah, this gives them the opportunity to hide a bunch of stuff underwater to where, you know what? Yeah. If you haven't leveled up this skill of swimming or being able to go under here you're probably not going to be able to get this so it gives them incentive to you know some of the players probably won't get this if they're not focusing on underwater exploration and some of them will if they're really into that right so some of that cool stuff can be hidden under there and it'll be like hey where'd you find that you know gun that shoots out water and i don't know laser darts or something it's like well (laughs) you got to be a good swimmer like i am so it gives people incentive to try did you just
0: confirm a water gun in anthem
1: Um, I, I don't think I did. I I made, I definitely made up the water gun that squirts laser darts. So, but they did say, you know, if a gun is fun, it will make it into Anthem. So who knows? Maybe the, the water laser dart gun will be fun. So
3: I think, you know, being able to maybe go caving, you know, or whatever, because you said, you know, you're going under there, you're going to find, uh, explorable places that are just underwater and, uh, open up to new areas. And, um, so I think that'd be really cool. It's just going through these huge caves and uh, seeing how far you can go under there. And that's totally going to take up a lot of time when you're trying to explore, looking for runes and,
2: and other information. So, yeah. Yeah. I didn't have this uh, thought earlier. Um, I had it now, obviously when Devin was talking about that, but how cool would it be to, you know, just be swimming around underwater and then you follow like one underwater cavern and there's actually like a room with like hidden enemies inside of it. It's like, you know, like underwater caves, like that's, That's, that'd be amazing. Like finding entirely new enemy encounters and potentially loot hidden just in the various bodies of water on this Anthem planet.
1: Yeah, that would be really cool. And it sounds like, you know, there is potential for that. Even if it's not at launch, it's something that, you know, maybe a shaper artifact activates and then it does open up that area that now, you know, you thought you explored this area, but now something is open. So it gives you incentive to go back, explore something new, find new loot, find new enemies possibly. So one of the things that we also asked, we asked if um, if it's hard creating a new IP, and I liked it when Mike said that, you know, when you when you create a new IP, you want to create a concept with infinite promise, with context to build off of, and that I know that's like high level, like this is what we want to do, and this it all sounds really good, but it's really interesting that it's they want it to be open, they want it to have possibilities to grow, to change, and not just be this one set thing. So, I really like I really like what he said about that. So,
0: it's a good quote.
1: Also, one of the things that I think this is exclusive. I don't think unless I've just missed all the other things that he that he's talked about. So, he mentioned different factions in the world. He mentioned uh, the heroes of the world were the freelancers, the sentinels and the lancers. And I haven't heard anyone else talk about the lancers in Anthem. Have you guys heard any talk of the lancers? The I only haven't.
3: time I've heard about it was when people on Discord and stuff were talking about it, but I they were just using it as a, as short, a short for short, freelancer, uh, yeah, for freelancers. So
1: and he did specifically say freelancer sentinels and lancers. so I'm am assuming he yes, did, yeah. you know, say freelancer, yeah, twice. all
2: in reference to representatives of fact- different fact- factions.
1: Okay, so I think we I think we. Um, we know that the the sentinels are the javelins that are in Fort Tarsus that are in blue. They have the little um, chevron tabard on them. I, I, yeah. I think we're safe in assuming that those are the sentinels, right, from what we've heard?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, they already told us the, the javelins in Fort Tarsus are the sentinels. So. Yeah. All
1: right, so the lancers could potentially be the, the javelins that we've seen in the spice market-looking thing. They look kind mm-hmm. of like they've got underwater stuff going on to me. That's what, what those javelins look like. So we don't know if those are the Lancers. Gotcha. I mean, they their javelins definitely don't scream Lancer. When I hear Lancer, I think, you know, it could be like a faction of just Interceptors because they're fast and they hit hard and get out. So that's kind of the imagery mm-hmm. I think of when I hear Lancer for everything else. So.
3: Well, I mean, th- but they looked like uh, Ranger. I mean, they looked like they were Ranger javelins. So
1: right, and Lancers just—they when I hear Lancer, I think, oh, they're probably a group of interceptors. But that's just from from reading way into nothing for that that Mike gave us. Yeah. So,
3: I mean, they did say and I think in one of the Game Informer articles where they talked about when they were playing, um, <clears throat> there was like little side quest missions to go help a down sentinel or whatever that's out out in the. Outside Fort Tarsus or whatever. So, I mean, I know they talked about how, oh, the freelancers are the only ones that go out, but there's definitely a lot of people, a lot more people besides the freelancers that go out there. Yeah. Uh, You know, so those other factions are definitely out there doing things, but um, who knows?
1: And it could be, it's very possible that these could be groups that we're going to gain reputation with. We'll have story quests with them. Could be Mm -hmm. that, you know, with our Cypher and the other person that's inside of our Strider, that these are the quests that, you know, if we we get this loot and this salvage, we're going to take it back to the Sentinels or we're going to take it back to the Lancers. And that could open up um, other story dialogue also for in the future. So I'm guessing that's part of those factions, which is kind of exciting. I mean, there's other stuff that we haven't heard about yet. So they're holding a lot of stuff close to the chest, which makes me, you know, excited that there is other stuff here. So we haven't seen like all the cards. They're still going to release more and more that we get to dive into. So
3: it just really makes me want to play Anthem. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. it's super frustrating because I'm like, ah, I just really want to play Anthem.
1: But like, I really want to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and and one of the things that I really like when we when we asked about um, the comparisons to other games or what you know the misconceived uh, notions that gamers have about it is you know what. That biowares they're always evolving, they're always trying something new. And when he was comparing the evolution from Baldur's Gate to Mass Effect to Bio to Dragon Age, I almost say Bioshock for some reason. Um, <laughs> that it's they don't it's it's kinda hard. It's almost like I guess the analogy is if you have a bunch of brothers like I do, that you're always being compared to the people that have come before you. And mm-hmm. if you have like a brother that like everyone at your school likes and then you're always getting compared to that brother. And it makes you like have this animosity and hatred towards him that you never want to hang out with him ever. And then you, for some reason, you end up doing a podcast with him. So there's kind of like that separation that... Wait a second. Oh. That there's... This it, is the first sounds, I'm hearing
0: of it, by the way. Um, this sounds oddly specific. Yeah, that welcome, is weird. Welcome to our Family Matters We can ask that right
1: now. So they do want it to be different. I mean, there's one thing to be said for this is your history. This is the parents that these brothers came from but this is something new something that we want to stand on its own and not just rest on the laurels of these other things that have come before it so i mean yeah. they want it to be successful of course they do they've been working hard on it they've been pouring their souls out um i wanted to be sex- successful too because the game looks amazing so don't yeah. well, uh, i mean compare, they, they want
3: anthem to be anthem right so right. i mean obviously people are going to compare it like mike said people are going to compare it and he doesn't have a problem with that because they haven't played it you know and so he says once people play it they're going to understand what Anthem really is and how it's different and not the same to what they've been comparing it to. So.
2: Yeah. And that was one thing that he said about um, all the feedback that they received from the people who actually played the game at EA play was that the majority of the good feedback, like the more the, uh, the, the more people got the opportunity to get their hands on the game, they, the more happy they were with it, the more positive, the feedback, like, that, uh, apparently, there's just something about actually playing the game for yourself that just feels very intuitive, and like we didn't get a chance to get our hands on with it, but I hope we do in the future. So we can I, did experience for myself. I totally Don't did. Don't you lie to me? Don't you? I lie. did. I like, did. I touched. The,
1: I touched the computer tower oh. that it was being played on. Does no. that count? I played it. <laughs> I didn't play it. I didn't play it. So I also like you, Mike was pretty open, not you, Mike, other Mike, Mike was pretty open about the whole developer versus gamer, um, aspect of, you know, developing a game, but then also, you know, being a gamer that pays $60 for these AAA titles that you expect to work out of the box and expect to, you know, return that value. And just that dichotomy of, you know, I'm developing this, I want it to be as good as it is. Um but things happen during development we've all heard the stories of how games are developed how hard it is it's not easy like everyone's saying things get cut at the end of the line it's you know you make the best decision possible even if that's not the decision you want you make the best one that you that you possibly can at that time for the betterment of the game so it's it's very interesting to hear from the inside um because most of the, i'm i'm guessing a lot of the people that are developing video games also play video games so they have that other side that yeah it, it is hard to be to hold this developer to a standard when you yourself are trying to hold yourself to this standard also so just kind of an intri- interesting discussion on on being a developer and also wanting to play gr- great video games so right Right now, so was there anything else from the um, from the interview that you guys wanted to touch on, things that you took away, things that you really enjoyed uh, about talking with Mike?
0: This would be for you and and JD, Devin.
3: So, cause <laughs> no, I'm thinking about you it. You guys
0: talked to him. We I weren't able no to be there. Didn't. You scheduled it when we were working.
3: Yeah, we schedule had a that. We were all privy to when this was scheduled, though. So, it's so, true. And if you couldn't Im- be bothered to so... show up, it was impossible
1: <laughs> for me to get out of the, where I was That's in it, man. Anyway, I mean, next time.
2: Uh, honestly, the um, just having the opportunity in and of itself is phenomenal. Um, when when I joined this podcast. I did not think that I would even get close to having these sorts of opportunities. I hope definitely, but I never thought it would actually, uh, it would actually happen. And here, you you had low expectations of us, JD. What's going on? Well, no, I just, I temper my expectations. (laughs) I temper my expectations. I, you know, I hope, I hope for the best, but I'm not surprised if nothing happens. (laughs) Um, So, but Mike Mike was a was a very friendly individual. Mike um, is okay. I, he I still am. He's much. a weird brother, but uh, I know he didn't really talk much during the interview. But um, we also br- briefly got to speak to Brad, and Brad seemed like a nice guy as well. Uh, but I, once again, uh, thank you to the people at Bioware. Um, thank you to Mike Gamble for giving us this opportunity. Thank you to Brad for scheduling it and setting it up. And uh, let's do it again sometime, huh? Eh?
3: Yeah, and I, I think uh, we covered pretty much everything on there. I just it was really good to talk to him, and yeah, um, no, it just made me more excited for Anthem. Just just like I said, talking to each developer that we have, and uh, just seeing how th- how excited they are for their game, and uh, makes me excited to play it. So, I mean, because you could definitely I, I know when I was going to school, like there was a lot of times where people were like, yeah, sometimes you got to make games you just don't like. <laughs> and uh someone has like, to yeah, make we need the to throw a game montana pitch game. for a uh, hannah montana game and they're like nice. i don't want this crap you know so it, it's great to be able to play games where developers are making them that really want to play them and uh so i'm looking forward to it
1: well on that note guys this has been to all our new listeners that are catching us for the first time if you made it this far i'm really impressed thanks for sticking with us and hanging out till the end of the show um, this has been episode 43 of the Freelancer Codex podcast, the longest-running anthem podcast on the internet. You can find us at freelancercodex.com, where we post all of our episodes. We'll post all of our YouTube videos and this um, interview as well. You can find us at facebook.com slash freelancercodex. You can find us at Twitter at freelancercodex. You can find us. You can email us if you have any uh, questions, um, constructive criticism about the show. You can email us at freelancercodex at gmail.com. And until next time, there's a shaper storm on the horizon. We'll see you on the the other side. Peace. Can't talk about it. Oh, don't forget the Discord. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you can join us on Discord. I don't have that link. I'll put it in the show notes or whatever.